Hello, Actor Casters, and welcome to yet another episode of the Actor Cast, episode 33. Man, we are just chugging along today. If you haven't already done so, head to actorcast.fm and sign up for our newsletter. When you sign up for our newsletter, you will receive the latest and greatest information on upcoming guests, showcases, as well as much more. There is a lot of great things that are coming out of this podcast through interviews with established artists and guests, through showcases of people like yourself who are sharing the latest work that they're doing. So head to actorcast.fm and sign up now. For today's episode, we are talking with the legendary Devin Shackett. Devin Shackett is an actress, casting professional, audition coach, and on-camera acting teacher. She is incredible. I had the opportunity to take a class with her in New York City, and her approach to teaching her students is so focused, so direct, very specific, that it was by far one of the most helpful classes that I have ever taken. So I'm very excited to have her joining us on the ActorCast today. We talk a bit about Devin's casting background and how that has helped her in her role as an acting coach. We talk about the most common traps that actors fall into when auditioning, what they need to work on to make their auditions pop, and we also talk about the things that actors must be aware of when performing in front of a camera, both from a character standpoint as well as a technical standpoint. There is a lot of great things to unpack in this episode. I'm very excited to share it with you all. If you like this episode, head to actorcast.fm and leave us a review. Leaving reviews goes a long way in helping us spread the word about this show. So, with all of that said, let me please introduce today's guest of ActorCast, Devin Shackett. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Actor Cast. Today, our guest is Devin Shackett. Devin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have you here because I had the opportunity to connect with you a bit ago. You know, it was through planning classes for, unfortunately, now the the late Olympia Dukakis. And you were very helpful in kind of advising me on how to help run classes with her. You had done a lot of work with Olympia before. And it was through that conversation that, that I got to know you and your work as an artist and had the opportunity to take one of your classes as well. And I was just always so amazed with how your, your teaching style is very focused, very specific. And as an actor, that is something that is so important to have. It, it, I, I felt like I learned and took away so much from your class. So I'm very excited to have you on the show today and, and hopefully provide uh, some of your insight to our actors who are tuning in. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, I'm, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody about uh, specificity the other day. 
and how in acting training without that, it's, it's really hard to learn anything. So it's, it's funny to hear you say that. Um, I just had a long talk with somebody about it yesterday. Oh yeah. It's, it's something that like, I, I feel like I, I, uh, you know, I, I've kind of known it in the back of my head through the various classes I've taken, but I feel like your class really hit that home and, it, and it's it's something that I still remember and, and still implement in, in my work today. For our actors who are tuning in who might not be familiar with you and your work, I know you, you come from a, a casting background and you've worked in a variety of facets within the industry. So I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about yourself, like what your what your career path has been. And then also, you know, I know now you work as a um, an acting coach and teacher. How has your casting background helped inform your work as an on-camera and audition acting coach? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. I mean, I guess I'll give you a little bit of background and then I'll circle back and kind of answer that. Basically, I started in casting. I um I was interested in casting and then I got a job and that led to another job and that led to me working for a year on House of Cards with the incredible Julie Schubert. So I had a few years in casting before I really touched acting and I had, you know, played around and taken acting classes, but I never would have called myself an actor. And um, after House of Cards, I decided that casting wasn't the career that I wanted to be pursuing. I really wanted to learn about acting and I felt that there was something else out there for me. So I, I stopped casting and actually enrolled at the uh, William Esper studio with Terry Knickerbocker, who now has his own studio in Brooklyn. It, it would, if you're not familiar with the Esper studio, it's a two-year Meisner training program. So I, I was told by a few people, go study with Terry Knickerbocker at the Esper studio and learn how to act. It takes two years. It's two nights a week for two years and you'll learn everything you really need to know to call yourself a professional actor. And that, you know, you, you feel confident calling yourself an actor. So I did the two years with Terry and I jumped into a lot of other different kinds of classes and studied with, gosh, I took so many classes during that time. Patsy Rodenberg, Faye Simpson, Christopher Bays. They're all kind of master teachers around New York City. Tessa Lang was a, a voice teacher that I met and I'm still working with seven years later. So I kind of just had this creative explosion and, and made my own grad school sort of and did a sort of my own interpretation of uh, an acting MFA, if you will. And from that, I... Uh, decided that I wanted to keep studying. So the two years were over and I wasn't sure what was going to be next. And there were teachers that I didn't really have access to because they weren't teaching anywhere. So that was a man named Jim Calder, who was only teaching at NYU Graduate Acting, and Olympia Dukakis, who was only teaching maybe once or twice a year through different theater companies or workshops that were very like on the fringe. And so I asked these teachers if, if they wanted to teach classes. And I started setting up classes. And people who I knew were finding out about them and we were just kind of emailing friends of friends. And all of a sudden, I had uh, people coming to the classes that I was setting up. 
And so I named this school, uh, which I didn't ever intend to found a school, but I called it the New York Drama Center, and it's still in operation. And it's kind of this amazing passion project that I, that is continuing to evolve and change. And, you know, around that time, I started teaching a lot. Since my casting days, I've been asked to teach on camera. So I sort of went from teaching on camera technique as as a casting director to going through all this acting training and then coming back to teaching on camera. And so really that's, I mean, to answer your your question, that's the kind of hybrid that then I felt I was able to teach because I have the eye of casting. I know what they look for. I know what they don't look for. And I also know the vocabulary that they use, which isn't always helpful to an actor because it's very product oriented and actors should be more process oriented. So I had learned about the language and the kind of, of, of a, of a process, you know, of really working through something and creating something as an actor that then I can, I can see an actor working in class, know what it needs to be or what it, you know, I I hesitate to use the word needs, but know what maybe a casting person would want to see in the room. And then I can step back from that and say, okay, well, how many different ways could I get that person there? How can I walk that person to the product without just demanding a product? Because I don't find that very helpful. So yeah, that's really been my career trajectory. I haven't acted in a while. Um, I got very close to Olympia and she let me kind of shadow her and while she taught for a couple years and she was at NYU in the undergrad department. And so I taught with her there for a few years and then eventually she stopped teaching and I took over the job there. So that's been a big part of my life for the last couple years is teaching in the BFA program and I really, really love it. So yeah, I I think that's it. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's going on (laughs) now, but what, what's amazing and you know what, What draws me to you as a teacher and something that, you know, you always say in your work is, you know, that the influence of studying with great teachers has a a profound impact on one's career, whether it is as an actor or as a coach or as another type of artist. And you have done that a lot with with the New York Drama Center is is bringing in these amazing coaches and amazing teachers that you've worked through the years to ensure that actors are getting the highest quality coaching that they can, which I think is is important because, you know, acting, I don't have to tell you, is a very tough kind of industry to to break into it's a tough job to have it's a tough lifestyle and so any way that you can have the opportunity to to connect with teachers who really have a foundational and deep understanding of the craft I think could only only help you and I love in in your classes how you you do have kind of this casting perspective there was something that you said that I would love to dive into a little bit deeper in talking about the language of casting directors and how 
while actors may see them conquering or, or developing a character as a process, casting directors or casting in general sees it as a product. So I'm wondering if you could just share with our listeners, a, like uh, a, distinguish that a little bit and kind of unpack that uh, a little bit. What, what exactly do you mean by a product and why is it important for actors while yes, it's important for them to focus on the process, why in some ways do they need to see themselves as a product for for casting purposes? God, I, it's like, it's a little tricky because I don't want anybody to think of themselves as a product. But I do want you to think of yourself as like, it's an interview. You're stepping into the room and they either want to hire you or they don't. Because that takes the pressure off of you. You have one job when you're auditioning, and that's to tell the story on the page to the best of your ability, to bring what, what you find in that text to life that has to come through you. You're not going to get every job. I mean, there's, I could spend hours talking about stories of famous people, you know, Meryl Streep and Sigourney Weaver were both up for Alien, and Sigourney Weaver got the job. So, like, not even Meryl Streep gets every job. There's a certain vision that the creative team has, and each person has a different look, a different voice, a different kind of vibration and energy that they bring into a room or that they would bring to a, a, a creative uh, team. And so when you work in casting, you're putting people together. I mean, you're putting a lot of, it's like you're painting, and you don't want to use every color. So as an actor, you can't put that pressure on yourself to try to get every job. The only, you know, pressure or the only thing you can ask of yourself is that you understand what's on the page and you can just feel confident knowing that even if you're totally wrong for a project, if you deliver a wonderful audition... I mean, you could be 30 years too young for the part, but if you somehow bring yourself into the room and you understand the story that you're telling, they're going to remember you. They're going to bring you back for something that you're right for. So I know there's a sort of cliche phrase of you want to book the room, but you do. You want to book the room. And in order to do that, you, you do have to think of yourself as a sort of product, I guess never thought of it that way exactly <laughs> but I mean what I more was meaning and maybe I wasn't clear in the way that I I've said it but casting directors are seeing maybe 50 auditions for the same role right like 50 people in a row it's three minutes of material so they're just going to see that three minutes 50 times in a row they're not looking at you thinking like oh where could we do you think we could get them more this or more that do you think we could spend an hour in rehearsal well they seem to be talented nobody is thinking that i've rarely been in rooms where those are the conversations the conversation is huh do they fit in the world oh that was an interesting choice wow they're really not right for the role but we got a really unique perspective on the story so they're thinking about how do we take what you just brought into the room and fit it into our bigger mosaic. They're not thinking about you as an individual and your talent. And 
Oftentimes, if the conversation does turn to, oh, well, they're really good, do you think they could hit that emotional scene? Do you think they could, you know, bring more kind of ferociousness? Maybe there'll be a callback, you know, where you would work with a director. Or maybe they would just say, you know, we'll, we'll bring them back for something else. They're a little green. Like, what, we'll, we'll see. But either you'll get a note in a room or they'll just know that you're not right for the project. But it's a, it's a shift that every actor needs to make in their mind. Nobody's looking at your talent. Talent's not real. You know, that's why vocabulary is really important. Because if I asked you what is talent, everybody would have a different you know, definition of that. Right. So you have to be careful about kind of blanket statements or these words that are umbrella words that we throw around. Even like if you're in an acting class and the teacher says, oh, that was really good what was good about it or no that wasn't that wasn't truthful well what does that mean because i could think it's truthful and you could think it's not truthful so yeah. in a in a, in an artistic medium that is so subjective you have to be careful with language otherwise you start making assumptions and that's where things get general and that's where actors start to start to try to um we begin to reach for things that are not real if i'm reaching for truth and i'm reaching for talent i'm reaching for nothing yeah <laughs> it's so good and it's so true also like because it is a very subjective uh art form so to speak it, you're exactly right one's interpretation can be completely different than the other one's opinion could be completely different from the other and that was something that you spoke to in the the class that i had with you that you know really hit me that you know, actors will, will go in and end up, because of these reasons, end up doing something that's very general. And that, that kind of leads me to my next question. And, and that's, what do you believe, given your experience as a coach, having worked in casting, but then also having taken a variety of acting classes as well, what, what are some common traps that actors fall into when auditioning? The biggest trap that actors fall into when auditioning is they memorize the words, they read the breakdown, they maybe have some idea of the relationship, and then they put on a sort of attitude like, oh, she's sad in this scene and in love, so I'll cry and I'll be in love with my partner and I'll just let these words fall out of my mouth. Now that is a trap because you're actually not collaborating with the writer. Okay, that's about... That, that audition is 100% about you. The words have meaning. The words are important. And I learned this from Olympia. And I, you'll learn it if you study Shakespeare. I mean, you, you'll learn it if you're a writer. Every word, every phrase has a quality to it. We are, human beings are very, our language is part of us, if you know what I mean. It's part of your personality, the way that you speak, the rhythm in which you speak. How many thoughts do you say in a sentence? And that's all really important. It's, that is you. And so if you're trying to become a different person or a character and you're not really paying attention to the words that the character is using and you're not developing a relationship with those words, you've missed the foundation of transformation. You can be emotional, you may be reactive, but that to me is far less interesting than seeing an actor 
really have a relationship with everything that they say. And when I say relationship, I mean a physical and an emotional relationship with the words that you're saying. And then, yes, of course, like, how are they meant to change the other person? How does the other person affect you? All the kind of um, actory stuff that everybody on this listening probably knows. So it's a trap because the breakdown that you may be basing a lot of your kind of performance off of was most likely written by the casting associate after, you know, he, she, they read the script. And they made a kind of assessment of what this character seemed like and put it in, wrote it succinctly into a breakdown. The breakdowns are not really for the actors. They're not really for the acting. They're for agents, managers, and if you're self-submitting, to make sure that you're right for the project. 30s to 40s, open ethnicity, open gender, uh, a tough lawyer with a soft heart. If I tried to act, you know, like a tough lawyer with a soft heart, you wouldn't know what I was doing. That, that, that's going to come through the language. I mean, there are, of course, like, it's not my way or the highway. Like, there's lots of different acting techniques and perspectives. And I think that's what makes this such a beautiful art form is that there's so many ways in and we're dealing with people and the human spirit. And so it's really up to you as an actor to figure out what works for you. And it's really up to you as the actor to figure out what doesn't work for you. And when it's time to leave a particular method or what you're missing from your toolbox. I mean, I feel really strongly about that. Like, even I'm a teacher, I don't have answers for anyone. I mostly just have questions. And I hope, you know, you have some answers for you about you. So, does that that answer your question? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I I think that... (laughs) You you bring up a really good point that I, I didn't you know I'm guilty of this as well that I think actors will sometimes focus too much on those breakdowns instead of the actual text that is written on the page they get stuck in that and I think it's important to know that the text is there to serve them the the text is there to to help them and it's the their guide in a lot of ways and that that's I guess more so where their focus should be now of course as you said, when they're self-submitting, like, of course, looking at the breakdowns and saying like, oh, you know, I, 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 I can fall into that. Like, that's helpful. But with regards to the performance aspect, yeah, the, the text in a lot of ways is everything. Yeah, it is my opinion that once you have that script, that's, that's what you lead with. And if you have questions, like if you're not sure, if you're like, wow, she could be really funny or this could be really mean. Like, I don't know where this falls. If the text is sort of inconclusive, then I refer back to the breakdown. Right? Or like if I'm like, wow, this character seems extremely sarcastic. Let me double check that with the breakdown. So it's always there for you, but don't lean too heavily on it because it's such a small part of what you've been given. What do you believe actors should should work on to really make their auditions pop? If if actors in a common, you know, issue that they're falling into is these generalizations and you know, is it is it really simply a matter of making definitive choices when they go into an audition or is there something more that really 
causes an actor to stand out when they are auditioning amongst a sea of other people who are doing the same exact scene that they are. Yeah, you don't. I think the worst thing you can do is try to stand out. <laughs> and what I mean by that is uh, if you are able to get specific about the st- what is the story on the page and where am I, right? Like, especially for on camera auditioning, it's pretty impossible to audition um, without an awareness of your, in- your imaginary environment because that's a part of your acting is what am I reactive to in this environment? So you have to be really specific about creating that for yourself. But, you know, it's like after that, I would be wary of trying to be interesting. Figure out what the story is. If the story is you are a nurse checking people in, you know, at the, where do nurses work? The hospital? You're you're checking people. Like I'm an acting teacher. I don't know where anyone else works. Um, (laughs) If you're a nurse checking people in at the hospital, how do you want to check people in? Like that's your choice. That's where you get to be interesting. Are you going to have your hair up because you're a nurse and you're on your feet all day? Are you going to wear a kind of loose t-shirt because that can look like kind of scrubs? Are you going to have a pen in your hand? Is it going to be a click pen or is it going to be a regular pen? This is your audition. This is how you show your interpretation of the character. What would it look like if you played the character? That's what casting needs to see. Not anything about how interesting or funny or smart you are. I don't care. When I watch an audition, I want to feel like I'm watching a moment of the television show. I mean, if you're auditioning for TV, I want to feel like I'm watching the show. And so it's actually simpler than most people are making it, is what I'm finding. Because most people are kind of leaning on the breakdown for most of their acting choices. And then they're pretty general because everybody's, you know, tough lawyer with a soft heart is going to look kind of the same. Because you're just kind of going to, there's a certain attitude attached. It's going to just be an idea. But if I was a tough lawyer, what kind of shoes do I wear? What kind of makeup do I wear? How do I show that I have a soft heart? Is that in the text? Or do I pick a line where I lean in and I'm a bit softer? Right? It's like, how can I show these things? How can I embody and play with these things so that my kind of spirit comes through? Yeah. It, it kind of goes to what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation with regards to that, to that specificity and being very specific, as you were mentioning, about the environment around you, about the shoes that you're wearing, and about the decisions that you're making up until like what kind of pen or pencil that you're using. And in an uh, interesting way, that says something about the character. And you had mentioned that this is something that is of the utmost importance when you're auditioning on camera. And that leads me to my next question regarding, you know, we've talked a lot, uh, at least a good deal about, uh, you know, how actors should, should make decisions. They shouldn't come in with generalizations, that they should look at the text when they're performing, when they're auditioning. But what should actors be aware of from a technical standpoint as well? I think it's very common. While this isn't always the case uh, by any means, there's a lot of actors who 
have that theater background and then they come into the world of film and television they're in front of a camera and they're like i do not know like how to interact with this so from a technical standpoint what should actors be aware of when they are going out on auditions on camera yeah there's actually not that much it's just you got to look at oh i've i've changed mediums so now i'm in a two-dimensional visual medium rather than a three-dimensional you know, more auditory medium, which I would say is, is more theatrical. So most on-camera auditions are going to be framed in a certain way from the top of your head to the middle of your chest. So you kind of have to get comfortable being that close. It's very intimate. And what most theater actors want to do as soon as they're that close is sort of hide themselves. And so that's where we get acting that's a little bit stilted or voices that are just a little bit too loud right that's a sort of way of hiding uh, what else technically I mean there's a there's a f there's a few kind of key points it's like okay now you're also just it's you in a box so I'm just watching you so you must be very clear like I said before on your imaginary environment because if it's just you staring at the reader and having a conversation that's going to get boring after about 20 to 30 seconds. That's just the nature of the beast. Like, it, if there's no change, I, the viewer, stop being able to understand what's going on. Even, like, if anybody were to watch the two of us right now, you know, for the last 20 or so minutes, 30 minutes, you would see how much we actually move, how we're interacting with the spaces that we're in, even in minor, minor ways. Right? My eyes are, I'm not fixed anywhere because that's not human. So even though I have a point of attention here with you, I also have my earphones and I have the kind of cord to my earphones that I've been playing with a little bit. And I have my phone to my side that I'm just aware of, even if I'm not looking at it. So I don't, I can't think of a situation unless there was a bear in front of you where you would be totally focused on one target. And there's a great book called The Actor and the Target, which I've, I learned about from Jim Calder, and he recommends everybody read it. It's a fantastic acting book about where you put your attention. And once you're able on camera to put your attention in two places, like let's say I'm auditioning for the scene that I'm playing right now, I'm on a podcast, I would probably, I couldn't play this scene without my point of attention that is you, Pat, and my point of attention that is my earphones. Because that's where I'm putting all the energy that's not coming out in my face or my voice. So the challenge that many actors run into is that as soon as they get on camera, they feel sort of frozen. And it's a, the situation is unnatural. Like you're in a cube and you feel stuck. But you have to find some way of breathing life into that and visually telling the story. Which I could talk about for a very long time, but I won't because that's I don't want to confuse anyone. <laughs> but you have to get used to being a visual storyteller. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, that's it's such an important way to put it, and and I, I love how you said too that it, it's just it's just a matter of of changing the mediums and and I, I like how you say too because I I think a lot of times, and I th I I'd say this is incorrect based on what you were saying is that like sometimes theater actors when they're in front of the camera it's like oh just like dial it down but that's not necessarily 
the truth because like you were saying sometimes they they get stilted would you say that it's much more just about being aware of of your frame like how how close the camera is on you you know as as we watch tv and and, and film when you have a close-up on the face you, you you see and you you feel and you, you you get a sense of what that character is is feeling or thinking in that moment just from the the subtlety subtle moves of their face so is it more so about like thinking of it in that sort of way uh, apart from oh okay it's just like if it's theater it's big and if it's on camera it's small yeah i, I would never think of on camera as small that's so funny the best kind of example I can give, just in this very moment, uh, I've been watching a lot of Manifest. Have you seen this? Oh, I have show? not. I have not. <laughs> no. How is it? It's terrible, and I love it. And I think <laughs> every actor should watch it, actually, because what you're talking about, several of the lead actors do this really, really well. They have a lot of feelings. They're not, they're not like appropriate to show those feelings. And also the characters are very close together in a lot of the scenes, right? So it's like, okay, then you have a set of circumstances that allow for a really beautiful close-up. Like the person is feeling so much, the stakes are so high, the relationships in the show are like, so over the top so much love and loss and heartbreak it's like a soap opera it's like a procedural it's like a sci-fi show like all rolled into one but I really love watching the acting because it's so specific it's like these people are getting the story out they're having all these feelings about the relationships that they're in but there's no time to linger in your feelings there's too much going on and I would say in most auditions and most scripts I've ever seen, there's not really a lot of time to hang out in your feelings. So I don't think you have to think big or small. I think you have to think how far away is the person from me? Like in this imaginary scene, are they across the table from me? Are they next to me holding my hand? Are they across the room? Because that's going to kind of define how big I am. And then the other thing is to think about, okay, well, how am I in a place where I can show emotion? Am I at the library or am I in my kitchen? And what's the urgency in this scene? Do I have time to cry or not? You know, do I want the other person to see me cry or not? I'm a lawyer in a courtroom. Can I get angry? Or if I get angry, is that going to give the opposing counsel a kind of in? So I would say focus on on those questions and not so much on am I being too big or is there a there is no there is no magic uh, kind of on-camera genre it's a medium it's not a genre I mean there's different genres within the medium so if you watch Law and Order and then you watch House of Cards and then you watch Manifest you're gonna see three very different worlds you're gonna hear different language and you're going to see how people express emotions differently. And, you know, that's just fun kind of advanced work that actors can do of like, I want to learn about the different worlds. Watch soap operas. Watch the acting on a soap opera. And then watch um, Vampire Diaries. And you'll see 
oh my god there's a lot of similarities here so then when you start to pick up text you'll start to find kind of you'll have like callbacks to other shows and maybe how the acting style is different. But again, like I don't really think anybody needs to focus on that. That for me is just really fun. Right. What you need to focus on is what's going on in the scene. And like, where am I? How far is the other person or other people? And what's the level of urgency here in theater? It's usually always urgent, right? And if you're studying, most teachers will say to you, uh, raise the stakes, raise the stakes, raise the stakes. In TV, it's not always urgent. I don't know why that is. I guess because it's a longer journey. If you've got 13 episodes, you might have a just one scene at a coffee shop talking to the barista. And that's not an urgent scene. So don't try to make it more urgent. Recognize. <laughs> right, right. Recognize, like, what are the stakes? Is there a lot at stake or is there maybe nothing at stake? Yeah. Yeah, this this is amazing, Devin. I I feel like I could I could talk with you about this for for a long time, but but we'll wrap up for today's purposes. I I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the Actor Cast, and for not only taking the time, but I also really appreciate the work that you do. You've helped so many actors just develop a a deeper understanding of their craft. Uh, you've helped them a lot with, with their focus, their clarity, their specificity, which I think goes a long way in, in just actors going out there and auditioning time and time again. So, so thank you so much. I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners where they could find out more information about you and your classes and all the great work that you're doing. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I have uh, the New York Drama Center, so you can go to the New York Drama Center.com. And the best way to reach me is usually via email. I do have a website, which is Devin Shackett on camera.com, but I'm sort of, I, I run the Drama Center, so you can reach me through either. And then my email is just Devin Shackett on camera at gmail.com. Perfect. And I guess the last kind of thing that I want to say to anybody listening is that. If you're an actor, you can work on camera. Like it's not, I mean, so many theater actors who are like, I never thought I could do this. I'm so afraid of this medium. And it's really just a very small shift and it can be very fun. Like I tell people, get a tripod for your iPhone and find a blank wall in your apartment and start to have fun with what, what it's like to be in front of a camera. And what things look like. And watch the great um, Dacre Montgomery audition video from oh, Stranger yeah, Things. <laughs> Stranger Things season two, Dacre Montgomery audition for Billy. His video is viral on the internet. You can do something like that. You know, there's so much you can play and create a world. And I often tell actors, it's like, once you learn how to act, it's kind of like learning how to drive, Right. And then maybe if you want to learn stick shift, you learn stick shift. You don't have to go back to driver's training. And I kind of feel like that's what working on camera is, is like, it's just a skill set. You don't have to learn how to act again. You know how to act. So it just takes a sort of willingness to play around. And yeah, you'll be bad at first, but who cares? Right. And uh, yeah, and it, it's really fun. I think it really opens up a lot of possibility for actors. Like I, I firmly believe every actor should work 
film, television, and theater, if that is what you wish to do. So those are my parting words of advice. Uh, hey, great parting words of advice. So, Devin, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of ActorCast. You can head to actorcast.fm and leave us a review to let us know what you thought of this episode. If you haven't already done so, sign up for our newsletter to get the latest and greatest information on upcoming guests, showcases, and much more. You can also become a member of ActorCast by going to actorcast.fm and clicking the membership tab. As a member of ActorCast, you'll gain access to exclusive content, including bonus episodes, access to our private online community, and live sessions with yours truly. I look forward to catching you all in the next episode, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create.